Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Our scripture reading today is found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 24 and 25, which say, And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. The whole point of the Christian life is to be connected with Christ. And we do that by confessing our sins, by allowing Him to be the Lord of our lives, and be submissive to His will. And as we do these things, we not only walk in the Spirit, and the Spirit is energizing us to give us thoughts about Christ, and also give us wisdom and guidance and direction. And as we walk in them, we make a tremendous impact and influence on those around about us, and we do the will of God. What a great privilege it is to serve a risen Savior who empowers us to do His work and to do His will. Thank you for joining us again at Global Times as we continue our interview with Pastor Doug Wilson. 
so, so Doug, um, looking ahead in the future on uh, a potential for returning, what what do you think uh, that looks like? Or what would you pray that uh, and have the audience pray for a uh, future ministry um, for India? Well, I think the personal ministry is uh, the vital link because something happens in the Holy Spirit when we are among God's people, when we're there sharing from our heart with an open scripture. I do think maybe the larger scale things are maybe not as wise. I think the smaller regional things at the local church or the regional level are a lot wiser approach. They don't demand the attention uh, from the central government. They're not as much threatened by those things. I think there's another uh, dimension to this too, where most of the ministries that we have there that are involved with either education or, or humanitarian relief in one way or another are usually treated much better uh, by the central government. And I think that might be a macro level consideration for other of our countries around the world to be involved in education, to be involved in medical care, to be involved in humanitarian relief, to be involved in these various structural things that are bringing benefit and relief to people from all backgrounds uh, that the central government actually sees as being a help to the people uh, beyond just our uh, matters of faith uh, in, in our churches. Uh, so that's what we see moving ahead, energizing and enabling the nationals to carry on. That has been the paradigm that we have passionately pursued and continue to do. They have the training. I'm not going in and doing the same training over again with them. They have to do it. And when we equip and enable them, that empowers them actually with the joy of Christ some of them get down on their knees and pray for God's grace to have to stretch into areas where they don't feel comfortable. They don't feel ready, but they are the ones that have to carry it on. And sometimes it takes uh, some tough love in order to bring that message to them that now they have been given something that they must steward and do something with. And hopefully, whether it's in Africa or Asia, Central or South America, North America, or wherever in the far or Middle East, there will be an equipping of the nationals within their culture in the indigenous church movement to carry on with the truth that is transcultural. We give that to them, and then they apply it regionally uh, with their own language, their own knowledge of culture, and are able to see fruit that they follow up on with evangelism and discipleship with mentoring, with shepherding the people, uh, as God allows them to continue to serve within their own country, regardless of whether we can get in or not. We're actually not allowed in to do these kind of things. Uh, it's kind of being done under the auspices of social things and meeting up with our friends there. Uh, so uh, we have to be just very careful and mindful uh, that this vile world is not a friend to grace to help us on to God. We have to trust God, believe him, have faith in him, and thank him when he gives us experiences like this last trip where we were carried by the Holy Spirit into wonderful, fruitful, and <laughs> unbelievably warm, welcoming uh, opportunities uh, through those uh, many different seminars 
and ministry opportunities. Well, of course, you know, Doug, you and I both know because we've ministered together in Sierra Leone, West Africa, and mm. I know you've been in, in Costa Rica and many countries, and a lot of it has been based on our personal relationships that we've developed mm. over the years with the nationals. Uh, yeah. Someone recently, when I was given a summary of Sierra Leone, uh, talked about, well, how did, how did you reach uh, so many people in such a short time? And and I said, well, it wasn't me at all. And I explained about your Timothy program and how that had spread. And I will tell you that even last week, I got a call from a couple of our students in the Timothy program who actually crossed into Liberia and were holding meetings. So you think Amen. about the regional meeting, and now we're we reaching out into other African countries based on this model of mentoring and fostering the relationships uh, teaching so our need to work with the nationals our our need to strengthen them and support them and i think all believers need to understand that uh, you know it's more and more important for the model of missions to be a relational uh, but it's building the relationships and just using the love of jesus to open doors you well, agree amen Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. As you're aware, this is a listener-supported program, and we continue to ask that you would continue to support our ministry. This month, we're offering the booklet entitled, He Did This Just For You by Max Licato. This is a wonderful booklet, I believe, for the beginning of the year. Uh, it's basically a booklet that talks about what Christ did on the cross and the fact that he died for our sins and took our place and gives new life and, and wants to have a relationship with each one of us. And that's really described very well in this booklet. And I thought since it's the first, um, first month of the year that this would be a good booklet to have to share with friends just to be encouraged and be blessed by the gospel once again. And it might give us a fresh start for the year to, th to see how we could share the gospel throughout the year. To, uh, to reach people for Christ. And so I highly recommend this booklet. I think it'll really be a wonderful encouragement to each of us who are believers in Christ, but also it'll be a tremendous blessing to those who uh, receive this from you. So it's an evangelistic tool that uh, you can use. This month we're offering this booklet entitled, He Did This Just For You. Uh, to order your copy, please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States, Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. Brethren, we have met to worship and adore the Lord our God. Will you
Today's message is from Reverend Art Larson and is entitled Revival, Something We All Need. Printed copies are available upon request. A man was watching a stranger with his very beautiful dog. He walked up to him and said, I bet your dog is a pointer or a setter. Wrong, the man replied. He's a disappointer and an upsetter. Unfortunately, there are lots of people like that. You probably know some. I do. And they're all over the place. But also, unfortunately, there are some church members professing Christians who are disappointers and upsetters. They're complainers, not commenders. They're gossipers, not gospelers. They're gripers, not givers. They're loafers, not laborers. They're pouters, not prayers. And if you're going to be a Christian, you must give yourself completely to the Lord Jesus Christ, every part of you, with no strings attached to be used for His glory and for the good of others. We need revival to create that kind of a dedication and spirit within the professing church today. And I continue today the subject of revival with Charles Finney, the great revivalist, who said revival is a return to the first love by Christians, resulting in the conviction and conversion of sinners to God. Revival is a new beginning of obedience to God. It's a special season of heart-searching when many believers simultaneously experience a deep Holy Spirit conviction of sin. Revival is when God draws near and manifests His holy presence. We've been urging everyone to pray three prayers for revival. Habakkuk 3.2 O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. Psalm 85 verse 6 Wilt thou not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? And then Psalm 143, verse 11, Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. And we began to look at questions Jesus asked, since revival is distinctly centered in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Since revival is really a Christ awakening within the hearts of his people, and then a spiritual awakening that results throughout the land. And so we looked at the questions Jesus asked, and the first one we saw was in Matthew 16, verse 15, a question concerning our confession. Who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? And we saw that Peter answered, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. My Father has revealed it to you from heaven. The implication of this confession is that when man looks on the outward appearance and God looks on the heart, Jesus saw in Peter a genuine confession of faith in Jesus Christ, not repeating something that flesh and blood or someone else taught him to say, 
I trust today you have had a personal experience with him and know him without a shadow of a doubt as your personal Savior and Lord, and that your confession is clear, having believed in your heart and trusted him personally as your Savior. If not, do that today. That determines whether you go to heaven or to hell when you die. The second question we considered was Matthew 26:40, In the great crisis hour when Jesus, facing the cross, took the disciples and then Peter, James, and John a little further and told them to watch with him. He went and prayed in such agony that blood fell from his body, dripping like sweat from his body. And he prayed, O oh, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not my will, but thine be done. And when he came back, they were asleep, and he asked them this question, What? Could you not watch with me, with me one hour? We saw that prayer is the key to revival. It's the key to everything. And that if you have a great church, it's because you have a praying church. If you are an effective Christian, it's because you are a praying Christian. And that we must call upon the Lord who invites us to call upon him, and that he will answer us and show us great and mighty things that we know not. That if we humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from any wicked ways in our life, that he will hear from heaven, he will forgive our sin, and then, only then will he heal the land. And so we're thinking of revival today. And now we look at another question Jesus asked. And this causes us to search our hearts. Do I need revival? Well, listen to the question that Jesus asks in John 14, beginning at verse 1. This is part of the interrupted sermon of Jesus. It was Simon Peter who had interrupted him at the end of chapter 13, and now in chapter 14. And Jesus, by the way, did not mind this. He wanted to make sure the disciples understood what he was saying. And the Lord does not mind at all when you ask him and ask him about things that you do not understand and search the scriptures daily to see if they're so and study the, 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 the truth of God's word to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Jesus said in John 14, familiar words, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not where thou goest. How can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now notice as I read on verses 7 through 9, John 14. If you had known me, Jesus said, you should have known my Father also. But from henceforth, from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus said, here's the question for today. Have I not been with you such a long time, and you still do not know me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou, show us the Father? This question, along with the question about our confession and our communion, has to do with our comprehension of who Jesus really is. Not only do you know him, but do you know him more intimately now than you knew him a year ago? 
or five years ago or ten years ago? Do you know him better now than you knew him when you first came to know him? Do you have the longing that the Apostle Paul had? Oh, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. In other words, have you comprehended who Jesus really is? That the Jehovah of the Old Testament is the Jesus of the New. And that, as he said, if you had known me, you should have known my Father also. But from now on you know him, you have seen him. And when Philip said, we don't understand, how, how can we see the Father? Show, he, show the Father to us and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus said, have I been such a long time with you and you still don't know me? Philip, he that has seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Here's Philip, one of the disciples who had, who had uh, eaten and walked with Jesus and seen the miracles and heard his wonderful messages and saw his spotless, sinless, perfect life and heard him pray and watched him with compassion meet the need of others and listened to his teaching about the Father and did not realize that Jesus was, as the Scripture says, Emmanuel, God with us, that Jesus was God manifested in human flesh, and that as he listened to him and walked with him and met with him and prayed with him and learned from him, that he would become more and more like Jesus. That's God's whole purpose. A Christian is someone who has the life of God in him, in whom Christ lives, and the Holy Spirit comes to dwell and makes Jesus real in him and through him. But so many people profess to know Christ, but never, never read their Bibles much, never spend much time in prayer, and certainly never grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord. As Peter later said in one of his letters, 1 Peter chapter 2, he said, laying aside all the ugly things of sin in our life, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Grow in what way? Grow to know him better. Grow to be more like him. Grow to be more mature in all our decisions, in all our words and actions. Grow to be more and more usable and effective for him, that you may grow thereby. If so be, he says, that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, if you truly have tasted and seen the Lord is good and gracious, you've been born again as a newborn babe, just as a physical babe desires milk. You will desire the milk of the word of God. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's how we grow. In fact, in Second Peter or Second Corinthians, rather, chapter three, it says, the Lord is that spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 3, we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. It was Martin, or Warren Wiersbe rather, who said this, when the child of God looks into the word of God and sees the son of God, he or she is changed by the spirit of God into the image of God for the glory of God. May I repeat that so you can think about it today? When the child of God looks into the Word of God and sees the Son of God, he or she is changed by the Spirit of God into the image of God 
for the glory of God. Jesus is saying, have I been with you such a long time and you still don't know me? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How long have you been saved? And how well and how deeply do you know him? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Is that true of your life? It was J. Sidlow Baxter who wrote, Oh, that I may know him. Ah, I long to know not just a Christ of far gone years ago, nor even reigning on a heavenly throne too high and distant to be really known. I long to know him closely. This is how, alive and in the ever-pressing now, communicating his all-conquering power, this living Christ within my heart this hour, who now no longer lives from me apart, but shares his resurrection in my heart. If we're going to see revival today, and it is often called re-Bible, we must get into the word of God and on our face before God in prayer and let God search out our hearts until we come to know him more intimately, until we're really growing in grace. So many of us have bitter spirits. There's very little grace in our life. You may be doctrinally correct, and that's very essential, but if you don't have grace as well as truth in your life, and Jesus was full of grace and truth, then you are missing the whole picture of what a Christian is to be. Balance is the important thing, full of grace and truth. When the great missionary Adoniram Judson was home on furlough, he passed through the city of Stonington, Connecticut. Connecticut. A young boy playing about the wharfs at the time of Judson's arrival was struck by the man's appearance. Never before had he seen such a light on any human face. He ran up the street to a minister to ask if he knew who the stranger was. The minister hurried back with him, but became so absorbed in conversation with Adoniram Judson, the missionary, that he forgot all about the impatient youngster standing near. Many years afterward, that boy, who could never get away from the influence of that wonderful face, became the famous preacher Henry Clay Trumbull. In a book of memoirs, he penned a chapter entitled, What a Boy Saw in the Face of Adoniram Judson. That lighted countenance had changed his life. Even as flowers thrive when they bend to the light, so shining, radiant faces come to those who constantly turn toward Christ. A true believer in Christ should radiate the joy of Christ. It is easy to tell a Christian who's walking close to the Lord and growing in grace and knowledge of Him. There's joy on their face that can't be explained in any other way. And folks that see Christians coming out of churches today will either see the joy of Christ or the misery of self-centered living. May God bring revival to the church, re-Bible to the church, Christ awakening to the church, and the joy of the Lord to be our strength so that we will not be rebuked when Jesus says, have I been so long with you and you still don't know me? But we will know him in an intimate and deeper way every day as we feed on his word, as we fall on our face before him, and as we pray, Lord, revive thy work. Lord, revive us. Lord, revive me, so that your joy will be my strength. If you lead people to heaven, then wear heaven on your face. Uh, we have this booklet that I'm highly recommending for this month. It's the first month of the year, and uh, it's called He Did This Just For You. It's really an evangelistic booklet that Max Lucado has written, and we trust that you will write in and uh, get your copy. One of the things that we're concerned about here at Canada's National Bible Hour is not only that people will continue to be challenged and grow in their faith and be encouraged, but also 
that those who listen to our broadcast would come to a, a saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that they would be born again. He loves you. He loves all of us. And he wants us all to come to repentance. He wants all of us to have a relationship with him. And can, you can do that by asking him to come into your life, confessing your sins to him. That's exactly what I did years and years ago. And since that time, my life has been totally changed, and I'm sure yours will be too. You can get the booklet by Max Licato. Uh, he did this just for you by writing to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. You can also listen to past broadcasts of Canada's National Bible Hour on our website at missiongo.org. M-I-S-S-I-O-N-G-O dot O-R-G. And we also have a 24-hour Christian radio station, which has some of the great hymns of the faith and really good preaching on that 24-7 at missiongo-radio.org. missiongo-radio.org. 